not got a lot of time today, have you, Chinch? No, I can give you <laughs> ten <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it's hard. It hardly seems worth you swinging by, Chinch. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, we're glad. You hold did. on, hold on, hold on. Do you want ten minutes of Chinch or do you not? <laughs> More, uh, the ten minutes of Chinch is worth a good hour of Savage. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That, yeah, that's true. It feels Up like to a you. strange ultimatum. I can put my headphones down and walk off if, you if that's do what that, you want. Do we get in compensation an hour of Savage? I'd quite do like you want that? <laughs> I'd quite like to that? see... Is that what you want? Because that's, that's what, what, what you're going to get. Have, have, you got, have you got long enough for a cup of tea? Yes. Have a cup of tea. And a oh. panini. Would you quite like to see a TV show called 10 Minutes of Chinch? 10 Minutes of Chinch. And yeah. like yeah. market it without saying anything about what it is. Yeah. So nobody will understand. They just tune in for this would major they? televisual event. Would they? 10 Minutes of Chinch. It'd be a really good filler between the end of BBC Breakfast and Homes Under the Hammer, wouldn't it? <laughs> really yeah. would. Uh, I think you'll find that's called... Captain Pugwash. <laughs> Wish you were here. No, that, that would be rogue, called... Like a Rogue uh, Traders thing. That, rogue Traders. Is that what I want? The, Roy Honeyford fills the slot between breakfast and... Roy Honeyford. Roy Honeyford. It's her cousin. Roy Honeyford Gloria sounds Honeyford, like a Rogue Trader. Um, Angela Rippon and... Yeah, that's Rogue Traders. Is that Rogue yeah, Traders? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's between nine, that's 9.15 to 10. Then you've got Holmes Under the Hammer, well, which is one of the most addictive television programmes I think anybody has ever... Do you want me to go knocking on doors giving cowboy builders hell? That's uh, been done before. Yes, what, but not in the just chinch go and ask style. Dion about how it's done. And Let's you not can do have that. A ten minutes of chinch, which is slightly different to Dion. Really? Yeah. Here's a set of stairs. I'm, I'm going to go up the stairs. I'm Brilliant. It's, it's more like a party political broadcast. Oh, really? Just where chinch sits in front of a he roaring fire his, his, his and views. gives his views on something. And that, and that would mm. be what we would get uh, in the makeup room at the BBC, Hugh, which is normally either rogue traders or homes under the hammer. Mm. How long are you in makeup for? <laughs> Hopefully Hours. an hour. Hours. <laughs> That, that's Scaffolding what they takes watch. a while is, to assemble. That is all they watch. Um, Rogue traders and homes under the hammer. And the, the, the other one is um, are at three o'clock-ish, roughly, on ITV, the David Dickinson antique show. On, yeah. uh, it's, it's a fantastic watch. It has really Dick, is. Has Dickinson gone to ITV? He's gone to oh, ITV. Oh, that was years ago. Yeah, We're yeah. probably alienating quite a lot of our, yes, our international gl- listeners, gl- aren't we? Global fans, just hope uh, that some inconsequential channel buys the David Dickinson antique show uh, and you'll be seeing it on your screens very soon. Presumably indeed. they have, no matter where people are listening, they will have... A version of this show, of these shows, because they the, once the format has been happened upon. I have a question: Are antiques shows as popular in every other country as they are? What they, about they seem our, a little bit quaint? What about our New Zealander listener? What's on TV in New Zealand? We've got one in New Zealand. I think we've we? got one in Chile yeah, as well. Ah. Like, are they are antiques big in Chile? Yeah, but an, an, in, uh-huh. in in sort of North America, an antique show, you know, it'd be like something from the 1950s. No, they, it? Oh, we've we've found an old television. <laughs> <laughs> What they like in the states are your um, storage hunter programs. Oh yeah, where you yeah, go yeah, into yeah. the big thing, or they go to weird farms in the Midwest, and people have weird stuff, and they buy them. They basically lowball these these uh, characters, and it turns out that they've got really valuable. But it is—it's all like retroy yeah. stuff. That's it's all great banter, this, but five minutes. That's oh, right. what I'm giving we, you we now. We're down to five minutes, people. The, the pitch for the programme is now yeah. five minutes, minutes of change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So welcome uh, to Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. The food is, um, as courtesy of Burton Road Bakery, who we frequent very regularly, uh, some paninis, chicken and mozzarella was a very popular choice. Um, there's one tuna and onion for some weirdo, um, but th- hope you enjoy your paninis. Mm. No very noise, light, please. weren't they? Very light. Very, light. very, very light. Just think of the calories, Chinch. Yeah. Uh, with me, Hugh Ferris, the presenter, 
are, as ever, a commentator, writer and pundit. Rory Smith is a writer who's done a bit of punditry. Steve Wyeth is a commentator who does a lot of presenting. Andy Hinchcliffe is a pundit whose only writing was in a column for the Manchester City website. And 11 years ago today, he penned his thoughts following, and I quote, a morale-boosting win at Preston, in which Bernardo Caradi was the man of the match. How things have changed. How things have changed. Get in touch at Setpiece Menu and setpiecemenu at gmail.com if you have any views about the nature of your daytime television shows mm. in the country in which you live. On this week's Setpiece Menu, we're going to ask a simple question. What's the best goal? There is no subtitle. Did Chinch score it? It's just what's the best goal? It was Rory who a few weeks ago suggested rather flippantly um, this topic as an example of how we might be able to make ourselves a little bit more mainstream or should we say daytime telly. Originally he was being completely off the cuff and then almost immediately he and we all realised that it might actually be a good idea. So here we are. What is the best goal? Is it the perfect team goal? Every player touches it and it's finished off with a tap-in. A sweetly struck volley, perhaps. Technically sublime. Or is it the long-range thronker? That word, copyright Dan Walker. Oh, what? Circa 2002. Thronker. Thronker. Let's start the conversation by asking someone who is known around this table in particular for their artful goal scoring. Rory. Yes. <laughs> I like What's it. the best goal? Well, it's, it, it's a fascinating question. I'm feeling really under pressure to chinch it on a go. He's staring at you. But there's lots and lots of different... So, the thing is, you, you don't... What's the best goal, Rory? <laughs> Just give us an answer, the man. Thing is you go through it and it's, it's, it's almost impossible to choose. So, is it like a mazy dribble? A chip? Everyone loves a chip. A distance chip? Not even a distance chip. A Davor shooter... Chip. Scoop. Well, that, that was the edge of the box. That's the distance. Oh, that, 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 that that Carol Paborski, did he like a Paborski scoop? Paborski scoop, yeah. yeah. The, um, yeah... Chips are great dolls, dribbles, the long ranges. It's it's easy to sort of be a bit snooty about long ranges and think, oh, it's you know, he's just he's just he's hit it really hard and it's gone in. But when one when one flies in, it is quite special. The the beautiful sort of team collective team, goal. It's a team game, a team goal. Bim bom, bim bom, pa pa pa, goal. <laughs> Surely that's what the game is all about. <laughs> you went a bit Trumpish there. Burnley, bing bong, bing Burnley's bong. goal against Everton this season. Uh, apart from one outfield player, everyone touched the ball. Jeff Hendricks smashes it home. Perfect. Nothing better than that. End the podcast now. What? <laughs> there was Steve. a goal that Manchester City scored a goal earlier on this season, which I think everybody touched it. Yeah. Um, and Pep Guardiola says the best the best goal is the goal that is scored by a player who's the 11th person to oh, touch so it. Oh, so Pep Guardiola move. said this and I said this. Yeah, but he said it before you, so therefore he gets ah, all the credit. Damn him. I mean, if we're talking great team goals, then Esteban Cambiasso, Argentina against <gasps> Serbia. 2006. 2006, where they kept the ball for 14 <gasps> straight minutes. Brazil's goal in the World Cup final. The Pelé laying it off Carlos and the, the bobble and the Bosch. Carlos Alberto, come on now. Recorded in history, that goal, as the bobble and the bosh. <laughs> the bobble and the bosh. <laughs> we've, we've, we've copyrighted that. Dan Walker has thronker. You have the bobble and the bosh. <laughs> come on, Chinch. Dressing room, after a game, uh, yeah. what was the type of goal that most excited the team? See, I, I do, I, I am a because individually, yes, if you see Paolo Di Canio do something brilliant, or Eric Cantona, that chip he scored, it's individual brilliance, which... That's what those players are all about. But if you don't have the luxury of a player like that in your team, if the team's full of myself and Andy Booth, it has to be a team goal because we haven't got the individual brilliance. So that I, I think there's more backslapping in the showers, Steve. 
after a, a, a six or seven passes that end up in the back because we've all been involved. We all take the credit. So for a that. great goal results in back slapping. Yes. A poor goal. What's that? A towel whip? It might be one. Of, yes, might be one of those, which is still quite enjoyable. <laughs> the mention of Andy Booth reminds me of two other great categories of goal: the diving header. There is nothing more kind of... Keith I don't remind you of a diving final. header. No. For the Manchester Dart. I don't remind you of a diving... What are you talking about? Did you about? play in a Manchester Dart? Oh, my God. Hang on a minute. Which goal was that? When? The diving header one. What was the final score? 5-1. But the, the, also, what, what Chinch is doing himself down a little bit, because it was a diving header, but it was also a header from distance, which is another another mm. thing of great beauty. Mm. Yeah. A header from at least 15 yards out. I mean, I'm thinking Robin van Persie's goal for Holland against Spain in the World Cup 2014. Mm. The, the long ball over the top, the, the diving header when it didn't really seem to be the best option, but just sort of looping the ball over each other. not a big fan of looping diving headers. No, they need to be powered home. But pow- the Andy Carroll... It's like a volley. You've got to volley yeah. it like Marco Van Basten. You can't loop it in. But the it? other one we've got to mention, obviously, is the overhead kick. Oh, well, let's people. remind ourselves Ooh. of the last five goals of the season as uh, decided upon by BBC's match of the day. Yeah. Um, which this is a flawed system. It, it may well be a flawed system, but it's a good it's barometer. A I bet they're all what, individual, aren't they? Of what I bet people you. like. I tell, so, you, I tell you what, I don't know the list, but I bet. Do I. I, I remember what last year's was. I bet they are all strawed by Liverpool, Man United, or Arsenal players. Let's have a look, shall we? It's uh, nearly true. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool's Emre Chan. <laughs> so Emre Chan, but it's but it's not okay. Yes, it's it's the the player in the club and whether it was on telly and whether there was a lot of coverage of it but also it's worth remembering the kind of goal because they're all not all of them but a lot of them are very different I remember not even thinking that was the best goal scored in the month in which it was scored but on the go mm. Emre Chan yeah, yeah, did you prefer the Giroud because the Giroud was, was either the week of or yeah, very, very similar I very much stuff. enjoyed that Giroud so before. Emre Chan his bicycle kick against Watford a lot of people might have to Google these but they can also perhaps remember them the year before that Deli Alley there was a control flick over the defender and then volley from the edge of the box, yeah, yeah, kind that, of yeah. um, Matt Letizia yeah, mid nineteen nineties, trademarked. Then Jack Wilshire three years the ago, goal, which yeah. is the um, no, not the team goal. It was a first time volley edge of the box. It came to him, broke off a defender, and he thronked it uh, into the top right hand corner. First time volley. It was a dropping. So it wasn't a bobble and bosh. It no, was it wasn't a, a bobble and bosh. There was yeah. a bobble, and he did bosh it, but it was definitely in okay. the thronk. Okay. Um, the year before that was the Jack Wilshire team goal. So we've had a bicycle kick, a control flick and volley, so kind of a self-made chance, a first-time volley, which he just absolutely smashed in the top right corner. I'll, I'll be honest with you, that doesn't seem like a particularly good goal of the season. The Jack Wilshere run, team goal, he started it on the edge of his own box and eventually finished it with that incredibly intricate mm. uh, passage of play on the edge of the penalty area against Norwich. And then the one five years ago was Robin Van Persie. Oh, I did that game. That volley that, yeah. from Manchester the United on the day that they won the league. Against Villa. Yeah. Uh, against yeah. Villa, and it was not only the incredible volley... But it was also the great pass from Wayne Rooney. He spotted mm. him 50 yeah. yard, 50 yard ball. So you've got lots of different kinds of goals, which suggests that it's not. Oh, if it's a bicycle kick, it's automatically the best goal of the season. Wayne Rooney's was, I think, the year before that. But you, you don't. Amongst the public, there is not a consensus about what kind of thing makes the best goal, which is helpful because mm. it means that everybody has a slightly different, or every goal is different, and then everybody has a slightly different opinion is on what makes a good goal. To an extent, the context. Quite a lot of the time. I think Robin Van Persie scored that goal. It won United the league and they won it in style and it was the player who made the difference between them the season before and that season. So you can, you can yes, the narrative attachment to it is, is often important. But you can't say that Jack Wilshere scoring a goal against Norwich is, is particularly contextual. All I remember about that Wilshere, that Wilshere goal, I don't actually remember the, the, the one from the edge of the box, but the, the Wilshere team goal I remember. I was at another game and it was, I remember seeing it described on Twitter as the greatest goal ever scored and thinking oh my god I can't wait to watch this on match of the day 
And what do you think you're going to be watching? Well, I knew it was kind of a, it was collective play, uh-huh. Chinch. Okay. So I was expecting a flowing move, and it was indeed a flowing move, and it was a brilliant goal. But just the it had been sort of built up in such to such a level that I remember being like, my, my my initial reaction was oh is that it? Because you, but, but that's expectation. Yeah, isn't your, it? your your expectation. If changes. you watch it live, you you have no expectation. But I would so just, everything is beautiful. The, in context in terms of kind of the 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 situation, like the Van Persie goal or the Rooney the Rooney was the best example. Amazing goal, shinned it. Amazing goal, but the context of that goal just made it extraordinary. But even the 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 speed of a move, the 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 type of finish that you get at the end of a move, or the where the ball goes in hits the net from an overhead kick, or how far a, a player flies for a diving header, do you know all that stuff? It's the it's the aesthetic value of the goal is really important as well. The context thing is interesting because, yes, it's context in terms of that season and who wins things, but that Jack Wilshire one you can't remember, that happened on the last day of the season. Yeah. So it's chronological context as well. People, It would have been fresh in people's minds yeah. but when they were voting for it. So mm. that, And that's always the case. And that's any vote for anything like this is always about the, the context of where you are. Robbie Williams won like Best Musician of the Millennium yeah. when they did that in 2000 because... You know, he was popular. So he sung a song called. <laughs> that, that <laughs> might be, yeah, and it was after that. But the, 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 and that that example, I remember they had this huge night on ITV. Again, a mention of ITV, a huge night. Where they had these these are the awards of the century. The the, the the greatest musicians, and they had Robbie Williams and J.S. Bach in the same category. <laughs> <laughs> and and guess who the British public thought was better. <laughs> the guy Playing who live. Was, it's ju- oh no, no, it's not. <laughs> the guy who is essentially the father of all structured music, the classical music to which we know, and everything that's been based upon it, or Robbie Williams. <laughs> and Robbie Williams was voted as you know. So uh, you're well done Kevin. for just alienating a large portion of the audience. Uh, so so vote, votes are stupid, and uh, that's why you said it's a flawed system about these. Well, no, but goal of the season votes now are particularly stupid because they are just popularity contests. So it was far better when there was an ex. How did they, did they used to get the pundits to decide on The pundits, today? I think, narrow it down to a short list and then there's there's yeah. a vote. But I must admit, I, I don't know, so but it's, it's, people it's, can correct me if I'm wrong. It's new that people vote on it, and it's always a player who plays for a club that has more fans yeah. than anybody else. In the same way as when Sky, Sky Sports News run those during the transfer window, they'll, they'll run a kind of, who do you think such and such should sign, should sign for? Arsenal, Man United or Liverpool? And it is just... How many fans of Arsenal, Man United and Liverpool got who are watching <laughs> this programme? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and have access to their phone. The, the match of the day, goal of the season, is the goals of the month from that season. That's, That's right. right. The shortlist of each goal of the so, month is, is so you could have The best two goals of the season could have both been scored in the same yeah. month, but yeah. the, the one that misses out the vote won't be in the final the record. goal I always remember as a kid, Justin Fashanu slash Fashanu. <laughs> Norwich. Was it against Liverpool? Volley, yes. do you remember yeah, yeah, it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and the, road, yeah. the single finger raised skyward after scoring such a goal. But again, I'm, I'm with playing, that was me watching it as a kid, and I thought individual brilliance, amazing. But if you play the game, a team goal, a team goal. Whether it's a tap-in at the end of it, it doesn't have to be a spectacular finish. The context, is it that important? If Sheffield Wednesday win 1-0 against Burnley, still important, mm. great goal. Never happened. What are the clues for the watching public to the way that a team celebrates a goal, Chinch, as to mm. its quality? Um, the amount of people celebrating it. <laughs> has Paolo it? Di Canio scored, it tended to be Benny Carboni celebrating it and the rest of us trudging back to the halfway line. <laughs> could, we, could we measure the quality of a goal by the size of the pyramid that is formed by the corner? Very flag, possibly, but I, I didn't get involved in that type of thing. I didn't agree with that. Too fragile. A handshake, 
Maybe a kiss on the cheek. That's as far as I was ever going to go. But there, there, there is a kind of goal which is um, given way too much value, in my opinion, and yet for some reason it continues to be the, the, the thing that people pull out as a, as a huge highlight of any player's career, and that is the goal from the halfway line or from excruciating distance. One of the goals of the season in the last... 10 years Maina Figueroa remember him yeah, scoring do, for yeah, Wigan yeah. from inside his own half okay, Stoke. and he just saw it and he and he spanked it 80 yards and and hula it's a goal but are Sorry, those hula it's, hula, it's, it's a goal. 80 yards hula. into a relatively small could you do that Ferris without breaking your leg no 8 yards is my limit absolutely but wh- why, are, why are goals from distance considered to be so incredible I would generally agree with you and for example the famous one David Beckham against Wimbledon well that was just I was say Jason e- Cundy remember Jason Cundy e- boshing one with the wind exceptional execution at an empty target I'm not sure I think he's picked the wrong goal to, to criticise the long range effort because that Figueroa one the technique and he hit it so sweetly, and it went in the top corner. But he's, it wasn't like he looped it over the goalkeeper. It was like it went like a so missile. How about might, Rooney's? Rooney's recently. Yeah, Rooney's that one that he season, drilled against similar, West Ham. Yeah, that is it, technique's amazing. T- great technique, and it might be that I chose the best example of of those that I think yeah, are yeah. a bad example. Mm. But that's just kicking it well. Why is that what? considered what football? Kicking it well. Kick, it is a who, who'd good have thought that's important? It could, have, it could have just as easily been a beautifully played diagonal pass. Of which, Chinch? I, I was expert. There we is go. Is that what you were going to say? So, all I mean is, is that surely that is not comparative to either a group of people being able to fashion a goal yep. involving a whole series of incredible moments of technique, or that thing that you do, whether it's an overhead kick or a volley or a moment... Surely they are better than it just, be just Jabby Alonso scoring against Luton or, or, or Rooney twice, one, once against West Ham and then against Everton. Although, great technique. But are they really that special? Not, not to side with Chinch, which, as you know, is not something I, I like doing. Mm. He's right to an extent that if you think about the best goal in terms of what is the hardest goal to score, it is a collective goal. Does you have to have a number of, of moving Things parts, be right, go right, making yeah, tr- yeah. the correct decisions, doing everything perfectly. Whereas even for an overhead kick, even for Marco Van Basten's in 1988, in, in 88, which yeah. USSR, you know, an absolutely sort of breathtaking goal. It's just one guy has to do one thing right. And Arnold it, Murin had to. Oh, Murin has to play the pass, across. I suppose. But you've got it's, it's a much simpler kind of the equation is simpler. So although Van ba- more can go wrong in a team goal. Van Basten's technique was perfect that you there, there was nothing well let's assume he meant it he might not have meant it he might have been yeah, trying, could have been trying to do something else <laughs> fire it back across <laughs> the face of the goal and hope hope for an appeal like, for hope, a corner hope, <laughs> hope Rude Hullet was there to nod in the, um, but the, the technique on that was flawless and it is it, it, you know it's up there with the best goals you will ever see scored but less there was less that could go wrong there was less put into that goal than there is to the Jack Wilshire team goal which is not as spectacular and not, not as beautiful but it does have a probably a higher what is it saying diving a higher technical difficulty to, yeah higher degree of technical difficulty yeah yeah but I think if you have a brilliant player doing something brilliant is 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 possible but if you have seven or eight players involved in a move they're clearly not all as good as each other but for them all to do the right thing in succession that's why I feel I'm right saying a team goal is the best goal and I'm not I'm not going to hear any any arguments well, look, be, on that before, no I'm not going to hear any Steve before you is go that, to, because you're leaving I, I'm a, I should have gone five minutes okay. I've, I've been down the road five, five minutes five ago five minutes Chinch five what? minutes what right. five minutes look I have allowed you guys to waffle on for half an hour and I knew you wouldn't get to the right answer so I've just allowed you to have the debate and now let's get 
to the final answer. The best type of goal is, is one Steve that goes in off the underside of the crossbar. <laughs> ah, what about own goals? We can get to They're that belters, because they can, they? In, they can go in off the underside of the crossbar. The starting, the the starting the point is, did it go in off the underside of the crossbar? And then and you work, work back. backwards from there. How is that is it, better than going directly it looks in? Fantastic. There's always a bit of ping. It adds a bit of pace to the shot, or at least that's the way it looks. And then you come up. Was there a team build-up? And it went in off the underside of crossbar. Tick. Phenomenal. Did Olivier Giroud scorpion kick it over his shoulder, and it went in off the underside of the crossbar? There are. That makes it a better goal. Off the underside of the crossbar. That's your starting point. And then Rory, what about in off? What come about on. in off the post? Does that count? No, no. Because it's got to travel further across the face of the goal to get to the other side of the, so it loses some of the pace underside of the bar boom down in so Paul Scholes <laughs> boom the down in bobble bosh bing bashing in boom down in so what What? Paul Scholes against Bradford, uh, Bradford and Villa uh, Tony Uboa did it on a couple oh, of occasions Tony for Uboa. Leeds and, and as did Carlton Palmer in that doesn't scene. that make you think though he's nearly missed the target yep but those so were he, fine that's so Marco Van Basten's would have been better if it hits the frame yeah, of the goal clip, and goes if in. It the frame would it of the be goal even better? Because I don't you're think using it. the extremities of the target. They're not. They're just boshing it goalwards <laughs> and hoping for their best. Do you Which think what I did? Yes, I was going to say. Is that what you did? Do you think that what type of goal you think is best reveals something about the type of football fan that you are? I hope so. I don't think there's any other reason for having this conversation. Is it, there's got to be a greater goal, surely, if you'll pardon the pun. Does the reason that people <laughs> like long-range shots is just the spectacle? But may- maybe it requires a slightly deeper understanding of it to, like Chinch, feel that the collective is the is the more is the more. So special. you're saying that of, of of the suggestion so far, the reason that Chinch has gone for a team goal is because he's much more cerebral. You're calling me simple. I feel no. <laughs> I'm calling. Well, well, I mean, I'm not. You're I, not, Steve. I've, you're not simple. But all you've said is it's got to hit the underside of the bar. That's <laughs> I just said that was the starting point. I've, Surprised I think Steve, you there, Steve. To be honest, Steve has got a little bit of hubris about the whole whole idea that he's been making these really kind of killer points in the podcast <laughs> late. So he decided that right balance. in the middle of this conversation yeah. about all the kind of the aesthetic of a team goal. Yeah. No, he's going to say something which completely counteracts all the good work he's been doing over the previous weeks. But most of the goals that we'd you'd probably say are individualistic. In a in a team sport, which is which is an, a weird kind of dynamic anyway, isn't it? But you know the the, the Maisie dribble, the volley, the chip, the, the the chip. We haven't mentioned any Maisie dribbles. Ryan Giggs, Maradona. oh hello, Maradona against both Belgium and England. Yeah. Um, so would you George Weyer against Verona? George Although Weyer he did his own half, he did it? only ride I think one tackle. <laughs> yeah, just don't be bothered tackling. That's not a dribble. That's just and running. Funnily enough, that's the same argument to be uh, to if you, if you're not the biggest fan of the Ryan Giggs goal. Where where were the tackles? Yeah, it, at the many. very beginning, yeah. I think he had to ride one. But thereafter, the, Arsenal and that was a, a portent of their last fifteen <laughs> years didn't make a tackle. What swung it for me was when he took his shirt off, swung it around his head, and you saw his hairy chest. That I was th- tremendous. I think the celebrations right. off the back as well. I think got to be the celebration that, makes there? Ryan Giggs's goal yeah. more memorable than the actual goal. I mm. think without that celebration, I don't think it would have endured as mm. much. And I would say that in the modern era, with, with kind of uh, football as a televisual experience as much as anything. I think that the the way that the the celebrations of the fans and the team are cut is really important in in telling you whether it was a really good goal or not, because if you someone scores an overhead kick and then just gets up and walks back, <laughs> then that's going to look less special. And that's mm. why Shearer, I think, yeah. Alan Shearer suffered, but, but he had a very very simple celebration. Never went absolutely wild. That yeah. that Everton volley, that Everton that volley against Everton that he scored. He just yeah. did his normal celebration afterwards. It was a wonderful goal. What do you think Alan Shearer looks like when he's going wild? 
<laughs> I'd love to see Shearer go wild. Just a slightly wider smile. Maybe a DVD um, that you sell in a newsagent. Chinch has to go shortly. We're going to do two things before he goes. Mm. Uh, we'll have a soccer story kind of okay. two-thirds of the way through the show for you. Just a second. Yeah, so I can leave. Um, but, but first of all, we have to say about free kicks. Yeah. What about a wonderful free kick? I'm thinking of, say, for example, my Paul free Gascoigne. Kick it, or my free kick Paul against Ga- QPR. Paul Gascoigne um, in the semi-final of the FA Cup back yeah. in 1991. Or my free example. kick against QPR. Or any other examples that I can think of. Roberto Carlos. Then get to your free kick. But then my free kick against QPR. Does, Watch it, people. It's is amazing. That, is that a good example of, a, of, of what's the best goal? But again, that's individual ability, which is to be... Again, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying these goals shouldn't be... Um, applauding how great they are the individual but you know looking enough I, I was just brilliant at free kick so it, it happened it's going to happen isn't it because of the ability I have in my in my wand there is but uh, <laughs> and I do mean my left foot by that I do mean my left he's foot he's just a small wand yes. in the but the team the team have I ever scored a, I've been involved yes I think I have a biff boff bath five or six passes play it across <laughs> the six yard box tap in speaking to Carl Walker my friend Carl Walker of Manchester City about this and he said he takes more um, he enjoys it more when he sets a goal up rather than scores yeah, but a goal. All players stop interrupting say that Kyle. Stop interrupting Kyle. <laughs> then Kyle said, and I said, Kyle, I agree with you there, Kyle. Because well, that's how I saw it level. as well, Kyle. And uh, Kyle Walker. Yeah, that's what he said. So, all, team goal. All players say that and they are all lying. No, they're not. I'm not. Uh, genuinely, genuinely. I didn't like taking... All, apart from that free kick against QPR and scoring in the Manchester derby, I love the plaudits for that. But being part of a team goal, somebody else getting the credit, I don't think a full-back, it's not really my job to score. A bit like Carl Walker, my friend Carl Walker. <laughs> we like laying the ball on a plate for someone else so they can't miss. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely, and I, I think he, he did genuinely mean that. He did genuinely mean but that. But do you get more, well. people say they get more pleasure out of that. Yeah. Do you get pleasure out of that because you've got the 5-1 goal? So that you, you can, it's easy for you to enjoy doing that because you've got the like, nice little comfort blanket of having scored a very, very famous goal. Uh, never thought about it in those terms, but you're probably right. Mm. All of these goals are, and that's maybe the mark of, the, of what is a great goal, is an individual still performed well, performed to, perf- to perfection. So a, a free kick like your free kick against QPR yeah. is, I mean, for a man who says that he, used to hit top bins as the kids say <laughs> in training all the time is that the only goal you actually scored from a free kick absolutely not no scored, against, scored against Tottenham so two two scored in a reserve match for Everton <laughs> I'm sure I did but how many did I set up again I think I'd rather whip a ball in for, for Duncan Ferguson to bosh it in with his noggin than actually put it straight into the top well, bin why, myself why on earth did you insist on taking the free kicks I didn't insist on it Joe Royal did did he yeah he just knew the talent I had I hadn't noticed it he said, take them, Chinch, you're amazing. But a, a really, I haven't noticed it. Like a proper like free kick that's bending into the corner with all the swing and all the dip and all that stuff. That is brilliant to watch. And like a diamond head or an overhead kick or whatever, it is, or a mazy dribble, it is an individual still performed yes. brilliantly. Yeah. So all those goals can kind of be grouped together compared to the collective goal that Chinch yes. is advocating. There should be two distinct Which is a, an individual skill performed brilliantly, sometimes by more than one person, all in a very short space of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Chinch, yeah. we'll continue this conversation. We'll round it off yeah. after... But what are you going to talk about once I've gone? Are you going to disagree with everything I've said because yep. I'm not here? We're going to make That's sure that we say stuff that you oh. cannot respond to. We're okay. going to accuse you of all sorts of crimes mm. that you haven't committed, but you'll have no really? right of replies. We've got a whole other subject lined up entitled Is Left Back the Easiest Position? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes. What, what did he do, if anything, ever from left back? So, before you go, Chinch, yeah. just a slightly earlier than planned and mm-hmm. very excited mm-hmm. for those people who usually just Scroll forward to this. At the end of the they program. do that. Never yeah. mind, Jack and Ori. What a soccer story! Mm. This is when Andy tells his tale from his place.
playing days with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. Right. So, I'm at Everton. Pulling up trees. Amazing player. Playing for England. Bullet that, that type of thing. That Get type of thing's happening. Tottenham clearly want me. Tottenham Christ- want you. Tottenham want me. Christian Gross, he knows football. Got sacked very soon after. But they, he wanted me at that club. So I go down. I, I had an injury problem. I had an Achilles problem. Really? And you? Y- yes, yes. I had an Achilles. I had a, a knee problem before I had the Achilles problem. But anyway, go down to Tottenham, pass the medical. Then I get a phone call from Alan Sugar saying, this deal's not happening because your leg's not big enough. His word's not mine. You're fired. Yes. So it didn't happen. But then the biggest slap across the face, not necessarily I wanted to go to Tottenham because eventually I went to Sheffield Wednesday and I was very happy with that. But two days later... In the post, I get a bill from Tottenham for my medical. <laughs> You're, You're joking. joking. No. It must have been an over. They clearly didn't mean, because they did a poll, and it came out in the press, I made a bit of a joke of it, saying, oh my God, the deal didn't go through, and they sent me the bill for the medical. It was like 795 quid or something for all these scans and everything. That, that can't have happened very often. So, But I must have given them my home address. <laughs> Why would I have done well, hang on, contract negotiations. <laughs> they sent the bill out, the clinic or wherever it was we had all the tests done, sent me a bill. So that came through from... So I obviously didn't pay that. No way I was paying So what that. did you... Did you have to ring Spurs? I had to ring so. Tottenham and say, um, Daniel <coughs> Lee, um, difficult on this, difficult on this. I've had it and they just, they were really kind of, clearly, it was not meant to happen. Was it, the, was it, was it Lord Shudder that you told? It, he called me. Where, where, to but sort you haven't oh, no, I didn't call Lord... No, no, I didn't You have haven't told the part time. about where he called you from. He was, he was in... The jacuzzi? In America, probably. In a jacuzzi, yes. yes. He I thought me. he was on his private plane. He might have been. In a jacuzzi? In on a jacuzzi, a on his private plane, on the way to America. <laughs> rang me to say, deal's off, big fella. Ain't happening, we're signing Nicola Berti. We can't afford to pay you, even though you are spectacular. But your leg is not big enough. My argument is Steve McManaman, twiglet legs... His legs clearly aren't big enough yeah, for football, Steve, yet he plays. Steve McManaman's main job, as we've established on this podcast before, is pointing. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just true. Point yeah, in, if you want a pointer, he's the, he's the guy to go for. And so, yeah, enough, they sent me the bill for the medical. Can your you your sock story last week was about the fact that you had fat knees. So but I haven't got fat knees. Your legs not being big enough is something that uh, uh, Lord, Lord, Lord Alan Sugar, Lord Sugar, Sugar. Sugar uh, needs to... But if you're an orthopaedic surgeon worth your salt and you're trying to explain to a prospective employer of a footballer, that's not... Ri- I'd say his leg's not big enough, Lord Sugar. An orthopedic, so wouldn't he dress it up a bit more yeah. flowery than that? Yeah. But clearly, that's what I was told, and I thought I'm not having that. And then big slap across the chops, get a bill for my own medical, which I passed, by the way. But then they didn't sign me anyway. And then, Christian, and then Christian Gross got sacked. Could have been different. Yeah. Who replaced Christian Gross? Can you remember? Was um, it Jack Santini? Was it Fozzie Bear from the Muppets? <laughs> All right, get I can't out. Remember Chinch. who came get in out, for him? Get out, Chinch. Thank you. Well done, Chinch. That was your soccer story a little bit earlier. Stephen, goodbye. Goodbye, see you later. Goodbye, Andrew. Ferris, yes, it's been delightful. Goodbye. Goodbye. Team goals are the best goals. Team goals are the best goals. Remember that. And there goes Chinch. I'm a bit sad without him, to be honest. It was was brief, but uh, overwhelming. It's easier to concentrate on the detail and have a sensible conversation uh, without a former player getting in the way with sort of facts and experience. Yeah, I don't think his expertise brings anything to bear in this conversation. I think he is right, though, that there is something special about a collective goal. You're tempted, tempted almost to say that things like bicycle kicks are celebrated as they're so rare, but that, does that necessarily make them better? I don't know if it does. I think there's a separation to be had between something like a long-range goal, which we as humans could understand doing, even if we can't actually do it, but performing a bicycle kick without context, just being able to have the skill to be able to do that is something special and because we can't imagine ourselves doing it particularly easily 
that's what kind of elevates it a little bit higher. Surely anything that you can appreciate that requires not just skill and ability, but practice. So that's true of free kicks. It's true of long range shots. But, you know, you can't just... Mark Hughes wasn't just... He obviously had a natural ability to be good at volleying the ball. But one assumes he practiced that. Mm. It's not like he just went out and said, oh, we'll just swing it in towards Hughesy. He's good at volleys. He clearly yeah. spent time perfecting the art. So that's what you've got to admire about those sorts of goals. They, they, they don't just happen. They happen because the player executing it has worked tirelessly on, in training to be able to, at that moment, at that split second, you know, Zidane in the Champions League mm. final. But that's, probably, that's, that's one of the goals that people have tried to recreate. Phoenix from the face, almost impossible to do. You know, there was an element of the circumstances around it that enabled Zidane to be able to conjure up that moment of brilliance. But he must have practiced tirelessly to be able to do so. The other thing you need to remember about this is the is the the snackable content element. You can do a highlight reel of ten bicycle kicks in twenty seconds. Mm. It takes 20 seconds to appreciate one team goal because it's not just the one moment. It's about everything. Mm. Now, that everything might make it, make it a better goal, but it's not necessarily going to be as front and centre if you're, if you're trying to do a, uh, let's, let's add to our bobble and bosh, a whiz-paz, bing-bang, <laughs> highlights reel. It's Tekka's culture, isn't it, to an extent? Yeah. Things like like bicycle kicks or, or the Giroud scorpion kick are celebrated because they are kind of you know it's snackable content it's it's takes a moment it's like it takes a gif a it's yeah. it's a moment it's it's something you see on a, com- on a computer game whereas yeah a team goal maybe does take a little a little bit more to appreciate even if it's not the Cambiasso one against Serbia which was kind of the team goal taken to an almost absurd degree that even a fairly average team goal a passing move there is a lot of complicated stuff going on there that is is not quite so easily absorbed, not maybe not quite so easily um, kind of interpreted. But then it's probably not as immediately emotional as seeing a, a 30-yard rocket go in or a diving head or a bicycle kick or seeing someone beat four players and curl it into the bottom corner. What we've not talked about yet, of course, is the significance of the goal and the level at which it's scored. You know, how often does somebody send you something on social media of a, an unbelievable goal being scored in non-league football, which you go... Wow, but immediately forget because the significance of that goal is nowhere near as great as it would be if it had been scored in a World Cup final or a Champions League final or it was a title clinching goal. Which is, let's think of the, the examples that we've used of, of ones that we've been able to bring to mind. So Van Basten, final of a major competition. Uh, Zidane, final of the Champions yeah. League. Carlos Alberto. Carlos Alberto, final of the World Cup. So that, you're right, there are, Ryan Giggs, it was the semi-final, but it was still the latter stages of a competition. Yeah. So that, that that's an, an, an additional point to make. Well, the other thing with those non-league goals, and you see compilations of them all the time, is there is part of you, and this isn't meant to be offensive, thinking there's, there's probably a higher degree of luck involved with that, because if you weren't getting a bit lucky, you probably wouldn't be playing non-league. Yes, and yeah. a lesser degree of opposition for you to conquer. Yeah. Now, some of those goals will be scored against any goalkeeper because they're that pinpoint and, th- and they're amazing. But th- if you look at the FIFA goal of the year, the, the, the best goal, as the it's now called, the Pushkas Award, quite a lot of the goals that are shortlisted for that have no significance whatsoever, but are so extraordinary that you can enjoy them even so. And 
quite a lot of the joy in seeing those um, nominees for the Pushcast Award is that you haven't yet seen them because yeah. they come from the Colombian second division or they come from a game that you no way of finding out about unless you happen to be on Twitter that day and, and the GIF went round and, and you experienced it that way. So there is a joy to being being made aware of an unknown, previously unknown, wonderful goal, regardless of the of the context, I think. Oh yeah, everyone likes seeing a, a brilliant goal, whether whether you understand the, you know, whether you've heard the teams or the players before or not. There's there's something brilliant about watching it, but you do discount all but the 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 most high pressure goals scored by the most elite teams because because a you kind of think well I don't understand the context of this it, it means nothing to me and the best goal is the one that has the greatest emotional resonance for you but also you you are thinking well all right so you, you know, this guy in the Polish third division scored from sort of an overhead kick from fifty yards but did he mean to I'm not sure if 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 that's a Barcelona a Barcelona player doing that you probably think yeah all right he he's meant that that's amazing. If it's someone at a much lower level, it's the, the the there is part of you that thinks this is deliberate. But lucky, you're going to do this once. You couldn't do it again. The the other thing that we've perhaps not talked about, and we can do now, is is there a difference between a great goal if you're in the stadium compared to the greatness of a goal that you watch on the television or you see within the highlights of a game? Because I I always think if you see a great goal in in a stadium. You just you've got the the anticipation of it. There's that chance that you're already out of your seat in expectation of something remarkable happening. You you get that sense, don't you? It's almost a sixth sense as a mm. as a football fan that something incredible is about to happen. Whereas of course, if you absorb that goal in a 15 second clip that somebody sends you on Twitter later that day, it's not going to have the same impact. But you, you've mentioned before, Rory, the Zlatan Ibrahimovic overhead kick from 35 yes. yards. Is that the best goal you've seen in a stadium? Yes. So you'll remember it? Oh, I remember that, yeah. The only, the, the only goal I've ever, I've ever applauded in the stadium whilst working. But equally, that, the, the other thing there is the expectation level. So very rarely, obviously when you're in a stadium, you, you have no expectation of the goal because you, you are seeing it happen in real time. Yeah. Very rarely do you see a goal in highlight form whatever that highlight is whether that's match of the day or a gif or whatever without having some previous knowledge of what it might be like you know it's going to be a goal at the end of it so yeah you know a goal is coming but also you you, you might have heard like with the Wilshire one you've you've heard that it's the greatest goal of all time it happens every two weeks on Twitter that, that someone <laughs> says oh it's the best goal ever John Motson did it way back in the early 90s he said it's the goal of the century it was a Dean Saunders goal for <laughs> Aston Villa and essentially it was just on the corner of the box I think it was a volley, uh, back across goal into the top corner. And John Motson said, it's the goal of the century. And everybody was like, tune in to match of the day to see the goal of the century. The goal of the century. Yeah, yeah. Is what, so nobody remembers it. No. So there is a lot of that. Yeah, there is a lot of that. And there's, I mean, that's hyperbole and that's fine. It's always existed in football. We're all partly complicit in it and what have you. But it means that it's very hard for any goal to live up to what you're expecting. Whereas when you're in the stadium and you see something truly extraordinary happen, then there is a, a much more sort of visceral response to it yeah. that you can't you can't replicate however else you see the goal because you have some form of expectation of it. Suppose watching on TV, watching live on TV, similar, similar it's probably experience. quite similar, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Zidane oh, close, goal yeah. made me stand up spontaneously because of its... You sort of, oh, it's that noise. And quite a lot of it is actually shock. Certainly if it's yeah, involving yeah, yeah. a team that you're, you're clearly not there to support. It's in, in, and that often, that emotion gets dwarfed by the significance of the moment, not just the, the, the technical wizardry mm. involved. So 
if you're in the stadium for the Aguero goal at the end of the 2012 season, then you kind of have that same feeling of that was incredible. Mm. It, it was a good goal, but it wasn't the most wonderful goal. Uh, at Old Trafford for the for the Wayne Rooney goal, you, you have a kind of a, a significance of the fact that it's a, a goal that wins a Manchester derby and it was a Manchester derby at the time of significance because of where they were in the league. So plus the fact that it was an it was a bicycle kick so you have that thing where you kind of look around and everybody has that same experience going wow um so that, that there are those moments which you have to bear in mind but you probably are whilst you get something different out of it there's also a different emotion involved about the, the significance of the occasion rather than just the brilliance of the goal and you also get fooled a little bit by certain occasions into thinking that goals are better than they are so I remember the Champions League final last year 2017 it is 2018 now isn't it yeah, yes. yeah. we are now in 2018 yeah that's right uh, and goal for Juve that made it one all, which was a wonderful goal it was a wonderful goal but you know I remember sitting in the press box at the time and thinking having a conversation about the, be- the best ever goal scored in Champions League finals and it probably doesn't belong quite in that category it's certainly not although Zidane was a better goal but then by full time you've forgotten how amazing that goal was because Juve have lost 4-1 and yeah, Zidane's won, won, the, won yeah. the competition so. whereas Zidane's was a winner so yeah. it, it has that sort of lingering significance to you to, and again to on it. the highlights reel you don't play a consolation goal as it proved to be it wasn't at the time but you don't play that in a highlights reel of wonderful goals do you? No. You, you, you do ones yeah. that are that are winners that yeah. have a significant impact. So again, game. yeah, yeah, we're probably getting. There's close. your context, yeah. Steve. Yeah, you're getting, but we're getting close to an answer. Yeah. In that context is as significant as the skill of the execution is to how as to what qualifies as as a as the best type of goal. Chinch, if he was here, which unfortunately he's not, would say that the free kick against QPR was a winner. It beat QPR three two, I think it was, and he would say that his his. 5-1 goal clearly was of great significance as well because it was the fifth of the five um, so that both the goals that he likes to mention um, also have that little so are we sprinkling of significant are context we assuming, are we saying then that, that the two greatest goals of all time were scored by Chin? I think I think that's what that's why we started the conversation so surely that's how we should finish the conversation well, that's very convenient we're very lucky to have him on the podcast aren't we though sometimes part-timer <laughs> um, so if you have any views about What's the best goal? Uh, we've tried to make it as simple as possible, but clearly there is nuance. There is nuance enough for half an hour of conversation at the very least. Uh, what's the best goal at Set Piece Menu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com? We've already had our soccer story. So just to finish things off, um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing your unsung heroes um, because we decided who we think uh, should be uh, mentioned in this breath. So alongside our ideas, we had some last week. We've uh, had some the last couple of weeks, in fact. Um, so, Steve, uh, a couple more before we finish the programme. Uh, Mark got in touch on Twitter to say, football phone-in call screeners slash producers. Imagine how bad <laughs> the callers must be that don't even make it on air. They must have the patience of a saint. Quite a niche one, but I am inclined to agree. And I would massively agree with that. That is a, a hard tough work job. I think yeah. yes, and, that, and you can extend that beyond football as well. All radio phone-in call screeners. There must be a skill to that because you'll have brilliant points, and you want to get them on air. Then there'll be the ones in the middle which you like can do without that. But then there'll be the stuff that's so nonsensical that you just cannot help yeah. yourself but say we've got to get this more on an air because he's going to say something crazy and it's going to. Spark the debate. The All X the Factor day. early round auditionees. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and the other one, uh, Andrew on Twitter got in touch and he said, having to produce a perfect surface in the depths of winter 
only for some jerk to do a knee slide goal celebration. <laughs> He's, of course, giving credit to groundsmen and women. I don't know how they cope. The thought of someone even treading on my lawn in the winter is bad enough. Yeah, I have the same lawn-based issue, actually. So, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Another unsung hero. We are in winter, and I'm sure your lawn is excellent. It's not really, to be honest. It's Hector's ruined it. If you have any more unsung heroes you'd like to uh, bring to our attention at Set Piece Menu or Set Piece Menu at gmail.com. It's been very co- Chinch was was quite the um, contributor earlier. It's been, been very quiet and measured since then. A bit flatter. So, so I've, 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 we've, we've had a Chinch crash. That's yeah, what we've had. After a while. It's yeah, like a chinch high yeah. and a Chinch crash. Yeah, you, you, you kind of have, have a lot of him and then... And then after a while, it just leaves you feeling exhausted and <laughs> run out. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> and that is, uh, that is not the last time that Chinch will be compared to a very small child. Uh, please do subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Uh, thank you to Rory and to Steve and also to Chinch. Godspeed, Chinch. And thank you to you all for listening as well. We'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed. He does get to stadiums very early, doesn't he, Chinch? He has this habit of wanting to not be late so determining that that means he has to be there an hour earlier footballers are like that aren't they that they're he is massively unreliable but if he's going to be somewhere he'll be there early he's never late he might not turn up at all but, but I, he's never late I, yeah i don't think he's, he's an hour early i think he's four or five hours early but he's an hour uh, hour early for his production meeting ah he's I see. put it this way there is a difference between change and and this it's partly because he works in television for a national broadcaster, uh, not uh, radio locally. But he is not John Aldridge, because Aldo is famous. Um, and I don't think they do it anymore, but uh, the Liverpool commentary used to be on Radio City, which is a local commercial station, uh, with a great history um, and tradition in, in local football. And they used to have the commentary. And there was a guy called Steve Hothersall. I know Steve. Who uh, was the commentator. And he would often have to begin matches and particularly second halves without John Aldridge because he didn't get back to the press box in time for the game to kick off. So Aldo is the antithesis to Chinch, but still very much a former footballer in his regard for timekeeping. Because he, do you know what that must have been? Because Aldridge was, was the guy down by the side of the pitch giving the referee the thumbs up to let them know when they could kick off. So he had to do that <laughs> yes, and then was, scamper back up also to the worked box. for Sky, but as the floor manager <laughs> instead. Um, and I used to do stuff apart from with Chinch, but with Mickey Thomas as well. There, there were a couple of occasions where Mickey would genuinely depart and you had no idea for what reason and whether he would be back. And there was often a second half, which would begin. Welcome back to Total Football uh, with me, Hugh Ferris and Mickey Thomas. And then you just kind of have to hope that that would become true at some point in the second (laughs) half.